Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Baker, and this is KirkCast. Our special guest today is Gabe Tesh. Many of you may know Gabe from his time racing go-karts, which he's done very well, but there's a lot more to Gabe than that. Gabe didn't start racing until after he'd gone through a life-changing experience with childhood cancer. And so we are going to talk to Gabe not only about his racing in carts, but but what he's been doing since graduating out of the carts. Um, but we're going to focus on kind of how he came to this place, because this all has been born out of his desire to actually do as the film is titled Do Something Extraordinary. So. Uh, Gabe, welcome to CartCast. It is great to have you on. Um, you are from the Spokane, Washington area, and you are how old now? Yeah, first of all, I just want to thank you, Tom, for having me on your show. Um, yeah, I'm from Spokane, Washington, and I'm 20 years old. 20 years old, okay, and you've lived a, a lot of life for a 20-year-old, um, more than I'm sure that you wish that you would have uh so let's go back for for a little bit here and let's sort of set the table. So um, how old were you when you got the diagnosis um, that you had cancer and talk a little bit about sort of how that came to be and what led to that diagnosis? What's the background on that? Yeah, so... Um... I was 11 years old when I um, found out I had brain cancer. Um, The crazy thing is my mom actually just finished treatment for um, breast cancer, and then a month later, that's when we found out brain cancer. So it was these two crazy hard hits to my family all of a sudden. And, um, yeah, the reason we found out really is that I was just sick all the time, constantly. And, you know, I was... I always had to miss out on school because of just how sick I was. I wasn't really growing at all. Um, I was just super weak all the time. And my parents just knew, you know, something is not right. Um, so they took me into the hospital to get some MRIs done and stuff. And that's when we found that there was a um, brain. I had a brain tumor. And so we went through the surgery process and everything to get it removed. And at first they came back to us and said, oh, the good thing the tumor wasn't cancerous or anything and then they sent it to a cancer board again and then they came back to us the second time to say that it actually is cancerous and then we're like and that's when it just hit us really hard that oh my gosh this is just crazy at that age i mean how do you process hearing that kind of news how did you you know what what were your thoughts? I mean, immediately that had to be just terribly frightening for you. Yeah. I mean, the word cancer for an 11 year old is just terrifying. I just remember, you know, my parents giving me the news and that, and I was just crying the rest of the day because, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I didn't know if I was going to die or what this would look like for the rest of my life, you know? And it was just terrifying. I mean, it was literally the scariest day of my life for sure. So from there, what happens next? I mean, was, were there a series of conversations with different doctors about, 
you know, treatment plans. I mean, what what does your life look like suddenly now um, after hearing that news? Yeah, my life just completely changed all of a sudden. You know, I had to be taken out of school. I could never really go out, which was a hard part for me. Oh, wow. You know, being done. You know, you want to go hang out with your friends. You want to go play outside and stuff. And I just couldn't do those things. I had to be taken out of school, and you know be in the hospital all the time but you know first it just kind of started out by lots of doctor visits you know kind of setting the plan how to beat this thing you know them just kind of telling us everything what was about to go down and stuff and um you know at first it was um i had to go to seattle and do um 48 days of radiation over in seattle so that was really hard because me me and my mom all of a sudden had to leave spokane and move to seattle um, which was just so life-changing for us. And my dad had to stay back to, you know, because he runs a company and sure. stuff, so he had to stay back and work. And um, so we did the 48 days of radiation in Seattle. Um, and then right when that was over, we had to come right home and then start chemo that literally that next week, which was 48 weeks of chemo, so a whole year of chemotherapy, which was also super hard. Um, and so, you know, right... Right when we got the tumor removed and we found out it was cancerous, it was like, okay, we got to get to work to try to beat this thing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So talk about, I mean, what I think those of us who everybody knows somebody who's had some sort of cancer, I feel like it's at this point, you know, it's just sort of gotten to that point, right? We either know someone in our family or or a friend or family friend or, you know, somebody who has cancer. But I think I don't know that all of us really understand, for example, radiation versus chemotherapy and all of that. What, 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 when you were going through the radiation, first of all, mentally, your whole world has been turned upside down because you're you're now having to be in Seattle away from your dad and and everything that you know that you kind of know and love right you're with your mom which is a good thing that helps I'm sure but you're and you're going through this this radiation treatment um trying to to just get your head around as an 11 year old that you have a, a tumor in your brain talk about kind of what what was what did the what were the effects on the radiation and and you know what was that like for you to have to cope with what what was your life at that point for those 48 or 50 days yeah so um the radiation thing um you know going into it, i had no idea what it was going to be like you know they explained to us you know you get this mask made that literally is perfect for your face um um, to kind of hold your face down to this table and protect your head and stuff. And then you get laid down this table, kind of like an MRI machine, but it's literally a laser that, you know, goes into your head and tries to destroy cancer cells and the rest of the tumor that's left over and stuff. And, you know, hearing that, like a laser going into your head when you're 11, you know, <laughs> doesn't sound that fun. Um, but, you know, I'm so blessed to have, you know, my, like, even though, what my mom went through going through cancer was so terrible. It was almost a blessing that she went through cancer in a way because I, she was able to kind of explain it to me better and, you know, tell me what it was like. And I was able to see what she went through, you know, which made it a little bit better going into those things. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, you, 
going when you're going through cancer, you know, every step of the way is kind of just walking into an unknown, and you're just fighting for your life. You know, you know, you know, it's a real, it's literally a life and death situation. So it's just scary every step of the way. Did you? Did it really? Was it something where it? took I, I would have to think it took a lot out of you physically right to have to endure that radiation yeah I mean it it just I was literally tired all the time yeah. just weak um and you know just yeah super tired and super weak and then I literally didn't have the physical strength or anything of 11 year old you know I had to really regain that all back once that was totally done and um you know there are a lot of um they said there are a lot of things that could go wrong you know that like my hearing could have gone completely away i could have gone blind from the radiation wow and so those were risks we had to take um you know thankfully that you know i didn't go blind i didn't lose my hearing um but those are just kind of the risks you had to take to kind of beat this thing. Now, um, obviously, I mean, you know, God was with you every step of the way, um, keeping you, shielding you from all of those potential um, negative effects. But once the radiation was over, did, was that, was that ultimately um, what uh, knocked the cancer out of you? Did they, did they manage to get all the cancer out with the radiation or were there other uh, treatments or other things that, that followed that? Um, yeah, actually not like less than half of it was gone that we you know there was still a long ways to go. Um, um, so right when we got back, you know, my doctors were like, okay, this is not over yet. And so that's when I had to start chemo for 48 weeks, which was actually wow literally the hardest part and the part that was um gonna get most of the cancer the radiation was just a little bit of it okay so again explain um okay so you talked about the radiation what what is chemo for those who don't know let's talk about that what 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 what's that process um chemo like i said is literally the worst part and the hardest part um you're going into the hospital every week um they put an iv in you and what they pretty much are doing is literally pumping poison into you and literally like this stuff is pretty much trying to kill you but it's killing the cancer cells and so the whole time you just are puking your guts out you're like you're losing weight just like crazy um literally all you can do is puke and it's literally the worst feeling in the world because like this stuff it's literally poison being pumped into you literally trying to kill those cancer cells and stuff and And so it's literally it's just the worst feeling you could never imagine (laughs) that was a a year basically so yeah a year of doing that and it was every other week and I was losing so much weight where I lose like 20 pounds during that week of chemotherapy and I have to try to regain that and you know I was weighing like 40 pounds at the time oh my yeah it was it was it was super hard um, I actually had to, it was, it got to a point where I was struggling to eat because anything I ate, you know, I was just yeah, puking. Yeah, back up, yeah. 
Yeah, so um, they had to get give me a feed-in tube, and <sighs> um, so, you know, I could actually get nutrients and stuff. And so, you know, 48 weeks of that, that was literally the longest year of my life. <laughs> I, can, I, I can't even imagine. I was going to say I can only imagine. I can't even imagine what that was like. I mean, you know, my mother had radiation for her stage 2 lung cancer, um, but the chemo part, you know, fortunately, um, she was, she avoided. And I think, you know, partially that was the doctors kind of telling us at her age, you know, that's, that's not, um, and, and I think the consensus was let's try this first. And, um, but you had a whole year of that. Now, where, where did you go from there? Did that, did that take care of it or what, you know, walk us through what happens after that because i mean in that time period i'm imagining that life for you was just an everyday battle just to survive let alone try to enjoy it the way that a typical say 12 year old boy would yeah exactly i mean um you know being so young and stuff like i said you want to go hang out with your friends you want to go play outside but you know you're stuck in the hospitals you're fighting for your life every day and you know everybody's else life is kind of moving on your peers are growing up and stuff and to see that is so hard you're you know you're taken out of school so you're just clearly sitting at home or either in a hospital every day of your life just fighting um but you know once you finish that treatment, actually, um, you know, chemo is kind of the last step to beating the whole cancer thing, but um, it it's actually still really hard beating cancer because, you know, this whole past two years of your life, you've been literally fighting for your life, and then it's all sudden all over, and all that support you had during cancer kind of goes away, and so you're like, okay, what do I do with my life now? And that's oh. kind of the part. So, um, again, what a what a a challenge to your faith that had to be, and yet you know you you seem so much stronger for it, which is literally what God teaches us um, to to just stay close to Him. So, so you're now what are you thirteen at this point? Are you still twelve? And and so once this gets over. Um, it, it, did they get all of the cancer and and now you're kind of ha- are you at the point where you're starting to sort of build that road to recovery and like you said what am i going to do next yeah so like i said you know once you beat cancer it's kind of like a soldier coming back from war you know you kind of fall into this PS- ptsd you know you're like okay it's all over now like what do i do with my life yeah you know, how do I get back to normal life after, like, this two years of fighting this crazy thing? And um, that's when Wish and Star came to us when I was, um, yeah, I think I was still 12 at the time. And um, Wish and Star came to us saying, um, which is a um, nonprofit that grants wishes for kids after beating cancer so their family can go on this trip, and it's fully funded by Wish and Star. You know, they're a really amazing organization. And they came to us, and my wish trip was to go to the Austin, Texas F1 Grand Prix. And because um, and I've always loved racing, you know, my dad raced cars when I was younger. I was always at the track with him. 
And so we went on the trip and stuff, and I was a Mercedes VIP guest. I get to hang out with Nico, Rosberg, and Lewis Hamilton. Wow. I got to be around the cars, and that's just when I literally completely just fell even more in love with racing. I was able to kind of get out of that depression of just having cancer, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what I want to do. And on the flight home, my parents were like, okay, the whole cancer thing is done. You know, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, I want to be a race car driver. And my parents kind of laughed at me at first because they're like, of course you want to be a race car driver. You just went on this amazing right. trip. All these drivers who wouldn't want to be a race car driver after that. And I'm like, no, God didn't get me through cancer to do something ordinary. He got me through cancer to do something extraordinary. And that's when my parents are like, oh, wow, you're really serious about this. And so that's kind of when it all started. My goodness. Um, you and your mom both kicked cancer straight in the butt. Um, how, <laughs> how, how thankful we are to God for that. We're going to step aside We'll be back with more of Gabe Tesh on CartCast right after this. If you're getting into karting or in the market for the next big thing in a chassis, check out the all-new Skulldragger from Roll Speed Performance. Veteran racer Scott Heath has designed a chassis for four-cycle sprint and road race competition that has already gotten wins across the country, including his debut at Daytona on the Rolex track. Skulldraggers have been to Victory Lane in Pittsburgh, Summit Point, Roebling Road and Mid-Ohio as well. The RSP Skulldragger features a ton of adjustments from caster and camber to axle changes and wheelbase. This responsive new design is manufactured at Phantom Racing Chassis in China Grove, North Carolina, but the design is all about roll speed. Check out www.roll-speed.com. That's roll hyphen speed.com and get yourself on one badass bad fast skull dragger chassis today welcome back to CartCast. our uh, special guest today is gabe tesh a young man from the state of washington who um, began racing go-karts following a nearly two-year battle with brain cancer and overcoming cancer uh, that cancer and um, his desire to um, not just do something ordinary with his life to do something extraordinary. So in his mind, that spelled drive race cars for a living. And he has moved up the ladder a bit. We're going to talk all about that. Um, we pick up the story. Now you have decided, uh, Gabe, to be a race car driver and um you have now kind of found that that purpose and that meaning again for your life. Um, first of all, obviously, it takes a number of uh, different things to come together just to be able to go start racing. But um, you, you're also still in the process of kind of getting the rest of your life together, too, at that point. Were you able to get back into to a classroom and kind of start resuming some of the the normal um you know normal uh life things that uh, kids your age are doing kind of get back on the on the bus or get back in the draft to use a racing term and and uh start becoming a bit more of just um Gabe Tesh 13 year old boy who wants to do things that other boys want to do <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, you know, after cancer, it was just all about recovering and then yeah. figuring out 
go back to normal life, you know. Um, you know, I kind of took a time off to just recover because I was still super weak after all the cancer and yeah. stuff. You know, not completely 100% healthy. You know, I had to really regain my strength. I had to start going, you know, to um, workout classes and stuff to kind of gain that strength back. And um, especially since I wanted to be a race car driver, you know, my doctors at first didn't want me to do that because they didn't think I was strong enough to do it. I can imagine. There was a lot of risks to it. And I was like, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to let this cancer stop me from doing anything you know i beat it and i want to become a race car driver so i, I don't care what the doctors say and so you know <laughs> i took that time to recover and then once i was 14 um my dad bought me a go-kart and um you know we just after our first year we did the local level stuff and um my first race i got like dead last <laughs> my second race I crashed so my first two races were like just going really wrong <laughs> and then after that something clicked and I won eight races in a row and wow. won the local championship and my dad's like okay you have some a lot of skill and that's kind of you know we just after that we just kept moving up the ladder I, I just can't imagine your parents in all of this um you know, obviously your mom with the breast cancer and overcoming that. And of course, your dad had to sort of draw strength to get through that. And then your diagnosis in, in the nearly two years of that. And then, um, you know, in all of that and, and you you beat this thing. I can't imagine your parents were totally excited about you sitting on a go-kart that doesn't have any seat belts or you know a roll cage or a body really it's just sort of this thing that looks pretty scary and dangerous and going out and doing that and then you get the first two races it's kind of like oh, i don't know about this but then as you say something clicks and you start rattling off wins at that point are your parents 100 percent behind this now like okay um we we see where this can go yeah so my mom was you know she was terrified at first and she still is I terrified <laughs> she, can, she can hardly watch the races she's closing her eyes the whole time still to this day <laughs> um you know and but my dad he i mean like i said he raised cars and he's always loved racing so he was just he was super excited and um you know he was ready to give his all and like my dad says all the time you know like i nearly lost my son so you know this i want to chase this dream with him because i'm just thankful to have another day with him and my mom my mom feels the same way she is so supportive even though like i said she gets scared watching me on the track she's super supportive you know always helping me out um you know they're both amazing and you know i don't like if i never had cancer they might have not supported me the way they're supporting me now, but I think since I had cancer and they almost lost me and stuff, that's why they, you know, support me so much because they're just thankful to have this time with me. Well, I, I can, again, I can only imagine. Um, and so, okay. So 
we we can sort of lighten the mood a little bit here because we've now gotten to the point where Gabe has figured out what a checkered flag looks like and he's starting to um starting to get a bunch of them so this is still your first year in karting right you're like 14 is this is that right yeah so i'm for i was 14 my first year and like i said i just did the local stuff uh we yep. won the local championship um you know it was and once i won the local championship we we're like okay let's move up and we went to the regional stuff and that's when it just got harder because you know, I came to the game so late, you know, most kids start carding at like five and yeah. six and I was, you know, 14 at the time, you know, about to be 15 and um, I was just so late to the game. So for me, it was just a catch up game. So that's just what kind of made me want to work even harder for it because I had to catch up to these kids that had so much experience. Um so we went to the regional stuff, did really good in there, got a couple wins. I think we ended up, like, fourth in the championship in um, LL206 Junior. Um, and then after that, we kind of just kept going up, winning bigger races. Um, you know, I was, and I went up to senior. Um, we did some, like, pro races down in California, like Rock and Scusa. Um, you know, did really well in that stuff. Um, got second in the um, Challenge of America's championship. And um, then we did some more regional stuff. Um, won a ch- couple championships in that. And just, you know, kept winning bigger races and more bigger races and bigger championships every year that I moved up and stuff. So um, it was awesome. So as you, as you now start to sort of, as you say, catch up and you get to the point where, Hey, we're, you know, we're good regionally. We're starting to compete against, you know, the best in the, in the country. And we're, we're learning, we're getting better. Um, at what point does it go from, let's see how far we can take racing to, let's make a movie about my life at you know whatever age you were when that was conceived how did that part come in and when did that part come in who had the idea how what tell us about how all that came about because i feel like that this is certainly not something that everybody does right and and uh um it it just as you say everything i feel like everything that you've accomplished up to now has been extraordinary for multiple reasons. And you've, you've just been impacting so many lives already um, just through what you've accomplished and through these projects and, and in so many different ways, when does the movie come into play here? Yeah. So in um, 2021, I was 18 at the time and that was kind of, that was my last year at Cardin. Um, my dad made a deal with me, um, you know, if I can go to any race in the country, you know, the biggest races in the country and finish in the top five, then that's when we're kind of ready to move up to cars. And, um, you know, I accomplished that. I won the re- our regional championship. Um, literally every pro race we went to, I was literally on the podium every time. Um, I was really never off the podium. Wow. Um, it, was, it was just an amazing year for us. And my, that's kind of, you know, when we were like, okay, you can move up to cars. So that winter we raised the money um, to go do the um, British Formula Four National Championship in the UK. Okay. Um, 
um, for 2022. And um, so in 2022, um, I moved over to the UK and competed in that whole series. I signed with Team Dolan to compete in the British Formula 4 Championship. And that was my first year in cars. And so that that's kind of, um, you know, that, you know, that kind of time, that two-year kind of time span of the kind of winning everything in cars and then moving up to cars, that's when my dad got this crazy idea of, like, you know, there needs to be a documentary about your life just because of everything you went through and now to where you are now. And so we got this local guy named Brad Baxter to come to the kart races with us um, to um, just record and make the sizzle reel to send out to film companies. Um, then we sent it out to a bunch of different film companies. Four came back to us, and they were like, you know, they just love the story and stuff, and they wanted to film it and make a documentary. And um, we decided to go with Pindare Films just because they're um, – values and stuff aligned with ours which is really important to us yeah and, um so you know when once i moved to england that's kind of when the whole filming started i had a film crew with me at every race kind really of just, yeah it was crazy it was so weird it was weird getting used to for sure at the start um you know just having this film crew following you and stuff and that's kind of when it started last year you know when i moved to england well here again i <laughs> I, I to, to try to get my head around this it you it's an a, again you have this major life change moving by yourself over to England and being on your own at what 18 or 19 um and you know after all that's come before that would seem like more than enough of sort of a life change to you know <laughs> to be difficult to deal with, right? There's more than enough stuff that goes on with that. You know, how do I, you know, how do I get around in this country? What, you know, all of the flux that would go on with that kind of a change. And then you're adding, um, I have a film crew following me around at the racing (laughs) I'm doing, which is another whole sort of bunch of weirdness, right? That goes on because, you know, you kind of realize that, um, you know, you, you're, you're, you have, you know, I mean, I guess I could say you have no privacy at the track, but you have this other element. It's, it's one thing to adjust to the cars and do all that. You've got this film crew and you're, you're having a movie made. How, the, how in the world, I just feel like the word extraordinary is so appropriate here because I don't know if I could have handled all that. How did you, how did you get through that period and, and be able to just sort of, you know, comprehend and, and and properly react to all that um yeah definitely it was it was super hard at first um you know it just you know there was added pressure there was a lot to balance all of a sudden you know because you know i have my race in but i also have this film that i'm having to work on and stuff and you know work with the film crew guys while i'm at the track while i'm trying to focus on my job on racing and stuff and that's kind of when i realized you know, man, it's so much bigger than this racing thing, you know, um, you know, with my story and stuff, my main goal is to always, you know, glorify God and show him people who he really is and what he can do and to inspire people that have gone through cancer or whatever it is. 
and you know that's when I realized wow this thing is way bigger than just a race and and I really had to you know not identify myself as a driver but identify you know find my identity in God and that's you know where I drew my strength to handle this extra pressure of you know people watching me on you know through this film and stuff you and I spoke a few times while you were over there and had a chance to chat. Um, and I want you to, because this is how I kind of noticed you in the first place was through Instagram. You were a, a recommendation because I, you know, follow so many racers and, um, and, and, um, tell everybody what your Instagram said. Um, and I don't, maybe it still does. I haven't paid attention, but tell, tell everybody what your handle was, so to speak on Instagram at that point. Yeah. So my Instagram handle now is, um, warrior for God and then still Jesus is Christ. Okay. Yeah. Warrior for God. And then, um, Jesus Christ is number one. My username is Gabe Tesh. Um, but I still have in my bio warrior for God. Okay. And Jesus Christ is number one. Cause that's literally you know, the most important thing in my life, you know, I'm a very faith-based person and that's where I always find my strength. And, you know, this whole racing thing for me is to, you know, glorify God in it. It's, it's crazy. It's just an amazing story in, in tell us how you did in the uh, formula four last year over there. It, I mean, we did, really good you know um for my first year in cars never driving cars you know and every track to me was new um i couldn't be more happier with results you know multiple top five finishes we got a you know a podium and um yeah i couldn't be more happy with how we did you know we had a lot of good races like i said with the podium and the top five finishes but we had a lot of hard races which just even grew me more as a driver and as a man how how was your overall experience in England? I mean, that's it's just obviously quite different from living in Spokane, Washington, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was amazing. It was a you know really hard change at first. You know, I mean, such a culture shock. It's a whole different world over there, and it just took so much time to get used to. I don't really think I ever got used to it. You know. Um, and it, it was just hard because I'm so used to having my family and friends support me on the track. And, you know, I didn't really have that, um, which made it hard. Um, but I just, you know, the overall experience was amazing. I met so many cool people, so many amazing people that I made friends with. That I still keep in touch with, um, I went to so many cool places. Um, I mean, amazing historical tracks like Brands Hatch, Snatherton. I mean, I raced on Silverstone twice, you know, and we were pitting in F1 garages. I mean, it was just the coolest experience ever. Okay. Um, so then you came back here. Now I want to get back to the movie because we sort of left that, that uh, your dad had this crazy idea and you've, and sent your your sizzle reel out and you had some companies respond and you you chose one what has life been like for you through the process of sort of the conception of the movie to the actual filming of the movie and um now to um getting it finished 
um, let's talk about the premiere after, but, but just talk about what it's been like, just, okay, I'm going to have a movie made about my life and I'm like 19. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been life changing and a crazy experience for sure. You know, I definitely don't live the normal, um, 19 year old life. <laughs> My friends are stuck in colleges, and I'm at the racetrack with a you know a film company and stuff. But um, <laughs> it was definitely a I mean crazy experience, you know, have, doing all this filming over in England and then coming back home after the whole the season, you know, and doing more filming here in Spokane, and then um, you know just on TV all the time doing the interviews, talking about the premiere in Spokane. Um, and then all of a sudden people recognizing me and where I live all the time. People like, Hey, you're that race car driver (laughs) thinking I'm some F1 world champion or something asking for my autograph. Um, it was a really life changing experience for sure. Well, I mean, and somehow I think you got the better end of this because, um, while they're, as you say, sitting in college, um, I, I would have to think that being out uh, at the track racing and having the film crew and having the movie is a lot better than sitting through an intro to dinosaurs class, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm blessed to be, you know, racing cars. It's so funny. My friends like think I have it so easy because um, of what I do. I'm like, it's really not easy, you know, just trying to find the sponsorship money all the time, doing the filming thing and everything. And then sometimes I look at them, I'm like, they have it really easy because, like, they, all they do is sit in college classrooms. And so yeah. <laughs> it's it's really hard to relate to my friends and stuff that way because, um, like I said, I definitely don't live the normal, you know, 19-year-old life with the whole movie and everything. I guess that's really what what I, I want to to sort of, for the listeners, for everybody to get out of this interview in this in your story is that um yeah in some ways at least the movie part sounds glamorous and like wow how amazing is that but i mean you obviously probably uh certainly would have you know i i i mean i don't know if it, i wanted to say you would you you it certainly what you had to endure to get to the movie um, the, the glamour part surely wasn't anything you'd wish on anyone. Um, so there's, there's sort of, you know, that, that blessing and, and, you know, um, and curse kind of thing in a way, um, good, bad, you went through an awful lot of pain and an awful lot of, uh, um, just hard times to get to that point. But what a miracle God has worked here, I guess, is really, um, the, the lesson we should all take from this, as you say, um, and and here you are now and as you say the work doesn't stop it actually gets harder because now you're trying to to figure out okay what direction do we go with the movie now and and you you know you're finding trying to find sponsors to keep the racing career going and hoping that the movie will in some way be able to you know to benefit that and help that um and so the movie gets done and now you're going to have the premiere um what was it like for you even just this last couple of weeks? Because I mean, I get excited when the next issue of my magazine's coming out or I'm, I'm going to, you know, have a great article on my website that I wrote. 
that's nothing compared to having a movie made of your life. Um, and mine would <laughs> surely be a comedy um, and in some ways a tragedy, I guess. But <laughs> yours, is, yours, I'm sure, is way more interesting. Um, but what's it been like for you and what was the premiere like for you? How did, how did all that go? Walk us through that. Yeah, first of all, I just want to start by saying, you know, um, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It might look glamorous on the outside having this movie done about you, but it's been a lot of hard work, and we've, you know, me and my family has gone through some, you know, a lot of hard times just to get to this point, and every day it's just, you know, we're working so hard, me and my family, to make all this happen, and, um... You know, the the main point of this whole movie and stuff, like I said, is to glorify God and to show people who he is and what he can do and the miracles he has done in my life and to inspire people to go chase their dreams and to go do the thing they love. And, um, yeah, the past couple weeks right before the premiere, it was just selling tickets, telling people my story doing a bunch of interviews on news channels and um, newspapers and stuff. And it, it was it was a long two weeks just trying to sell tickets. You know, we were working so hard to sell out this premiere. And, um, you know, the day, it ha- the day, the night of it, it was it was amazing to just see all our hard work come together, to see so many people show up. Um, it was really one of the most amazing nights of my life because just of everything me and my family went through just to get to this point and to share my story and to see so many people inspired by it. It was just the best feeling ever. You know, I had so many people come up to me and people still texting me to this day saying, um, wow, your story inspired me, you know, and now I want to go chase my dream and stuff. I had a kid, um, that texted me saying that he gave his life to God and is now Christian and going to church and stuff just because of my story. Oh, wow. And yeah. And I, I learned, wow. Yeah. And I literally cried when I heard that because that was my whole goal behind this whole thing. And, um, to get that text message from that kid and stuff, I, I mean, you can't beat that feeling. And that was just the whole point for me and my family to make this film. Romans eight twenty eight, right? That's exactly you. Literally, that's you. God, God makes all things work to the good of those who are called to His service, and there is nothing that could be more of an example of that than the fact that He used you and your story and all that you went through to put you in a position to be able to lead one young person to um you know to christ that's incredible and i'm sure it's gonna that's the first of many 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 that you're 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 going to be able in and a lot of them you'll probably never hear from um unbelievable so the premiere um how did that what was that schedule what did what happened so if i went to the theater bought the ticket went to the theater i mean obviously i'm sure there was some sort of introduction or whatever did did i get to meet you before the the movie started how did how did all that work because i feel like that that's a especially because it happened in your hometown that's a pretty big deal yeah so um you know we had a, the doors opened at um 5 30 for the film and then the film that started at seven because um you know we wanted people to be able to meet me and stuff okay and, uh, 
take pictures and stuff with me. Um, so there we had like a paparazzi kind of board thing <laughs> <in the> back <laughs> that people were giving um, pictures with me, and then we were giving out DVDs to and uh, signing them and stuff. It was just really fun to be able, you know, talk with people and you know, kind of give them more insight on my story and them asking questions and stuff, and just meeting so many cool people, random strangers here in Spokane that came and meeting them, and them wanting to get pictures with me. And then when it came time. Um, around 6.50, I, you know, I gave a speech, um, about a seven-minute speech on, you know, what this means to me, just thanking so many people, talking about, you know, the point of this film and why we want to do it, and then right at seven, that's when the film started, and, um, you know, everyone watched it, and it, it was amazing. It was, it was just the coolest experience ever. Was there kind of more opportunity afterward to to uh to kind of hang with you for a while and 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 talk about what they just saw and and i would love to know what was the audience's reaction was there applause was there was anything did did, anything kind of during the movie or at the end of the movie what was what was that like yeah so you know once the movie ended it was really quiet at first but then all of a sudden everyone stood up and just started going crazy and you know, clapping and stuff. It was, wow. it was so. I it literally gave me chills just to I see bet. people just react so good to it. And then I had so many people coming up to me. It was really late, so a lot of people were just trying to get out to um to get back home. Sure. But then I still had so many people come up to me and just tell me, you know, how amazing the film was, and you know, people crying and saying, "Wow, you really." this film changed my life and it's inspired me and um and just so many good comments um and then once i went home you know i slept went to bed right away <laughs> I bet, yeah i bet you did you should got me crying here and i haven't even seen the film yet um i i uh i can't i mean i'm sure because like weeks months you know almost years like that had to be just um, first of all, before I even get to that, I mean, I was going to say I had to be a tremendous weight off your shoulders, but it just occurs to me now you're having to sort of sit in the theater with all these other people and watch your movie about you. Was that some, how did, I mean, how do you process that? Like, are you sitting there going, this can't be real. Like this is really happening. Yeah, it was just a really you know, unreal, weird feeling. Um, I was sitting by my girlfriend, and we're, and like we're just both like just shaking, and I'm sweating, and we just have so much anxiety. You know, like it, I was just so nervous the whole time because I was just thinking about like, okay, what are people thinking of this? Like, you know, it was so hard to like just focus on the movie. I was just so nervous the whole wow. time. And um, but you know, once it was over, and I saw the reaction of everyone. I was just like, just felt, I felt so good. And just, it was like, wow, you know, we, 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 we did, did it. it. Like, yeah, we did oh. it. So it was amazing. Golly, praise the Lord. That's amazing. That is just, it's an incredible story. It really is an extraordinary story. Um, okay. So where do you go from here? Um, I mean, you're racing uh, a Skip Barber f4 right um this year talk about that a little bit and talk about kind of where where does the 
film like what's next where can people is there a place where we all can go and see it or what what's what's happening with all that now that you got the premiere over with yeah so um you know racing is still a thing for me i'm racing in the skip barber f4 series this year and and also doing some radical cup races on the side um and so you know full racing schedule this year um and then you know with the film um amazon prime video just picked it up and so it's on amazon right now so that's where you can go watch it um and then you know we're still in talk with a bunch of other people about putting on those platforms and stuff um but right now it is literally officially on amazon to go watch it um and so you know it's right now we're just kind of promoting on there and then telling people about it and um but it's been nice to kind of get back to my full-time racing kind of thing. So <laughs> I was going to say again, back to normal quote, quote unquote, like normal life. Uh, now that the movie's kind of the premiere is over. And um, I mean, I don't know if you're ever not a movie star at this point, as long as you have the movie, but um, it, it, like you said, you went home and went right to sleep because I can't even imagine the weight that was lifted off your shoulders after all that to be able to finally just go home and rest a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, like you said, so much weight was just all setting off my shoulders, and that whole weekend after, I just, I just literally just relaxed. Like I was just like, you know, I'm just gonna take some time off. Yeah. You know, it was so hard to balance this movie because the movie was a full time job, but then I had racing, which is a full time job. So it's so nice to kind of just get back to my normal thing of just focusing on racing, you know, finding sponsors still, training, and then simulator and stuff. It's so, you know, nice to just get back to kind of my full-time racing job. Um, So uh, I'm fully recovered after now. (laughs) And now, you know, the work begins for racing. (laughs) What would you, what would you say to people, um, who maybe again are either going through um, cancer themselves or know somebody who is a family member, especially, you know, someone who's young, you know, a child. Um, What can we as the audience who's hearing your story today, what can we take from this? I mean, you, you speak obviously of, of uh, glorifying God and, and there is no question that um that that is at the the core of your being and and i'm sure that was only strengthened um over the past number of years um through your life's experience but what can we take from this what lessons what do you want us to to draw from this game yeah the main thing is um I just want to inspire people to just go chase their dreams and not let anything hold them back, not let the fear of failure hold them back, not let the fear of what people will think of them. And whatever, you know, they've gone through, if it's cancer or some other kind of sickness, to not let them that hold them back of going and chasing their dreams. You know, I had so many doctors tell me that I wouldn't be able to race cars, that this would happen to me, you know, that I wouldn't have the strength to race cars, I might go blind, I might never be able to walk again. And, you know, (laughs) I just, I didn't let those things, you know, hold me back from doing the thing I love. And um, 
I just want to show people, you know, go chase that dream. Go do something extraordinary. And and whatever, whatever that looks like, if it's just even a little thing, like learning how to knit or become, you know, whatever that is, go do it. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? I mean, the doctors are saying one thing, and God is going, well, okay, but um, actually, and, you know, it's like send them the link, send all those doctors the link to the movie. Um, you know, I mean, and of course, we, we, we're, we're smiling as we say those things, right? Because without all those doctors, you obviously wouldn't be where you are, and, and, uh, but, um, it's just, it is a, a it is a, a, it's just an, an extraordinary story, Gabe. I, I, you are an amazing young man. Um, what you have accomplished in 20 years of life on this planet, um, is, is extraordinary. And you know what? It's, it's only just beginning because God is using you in amazing ways to impact people that you will never meet, but who may see the movie. And again, in their lives, you know, they, they make those changes and, and, um, and, and it inspires and motivates them. Um, it's, it's just awesome. And I'm just thankful for you taking the time to, to, to tell the story. Um, now where can people follow you, find you? I know you have a website, all the socials, all that, Tell us, you know, where we can go to keep up with what you're doing uh, now and in the future. Yeah, so you can, I have an Instagram account, which is just GabeTesh48C. Um, I also have Facebook. Uh, my Facebook account is called Do Something Extraordinary. And then, like I said, you can see the film on Amazon Prime Video. I also have a website, which is 48-C.com. Um, so you can kind of follow my story and find me on all those. Well, um, Gabe, again, thank you for, for taking the time. And if you're listening to this show, um, go to Amazon and I think you can either rent or own the movie, right? Is there an option for them to buy the movie as well as rent it to watch it? Yes, you can rent or buy. Um, and so, yeah definitely go check it out well um everybody go and watch this i can't wait to go and watch this uh you know i've been dying to see this film since i knew that gabe was making it and it has been an amazing um privilege to have been able to sort of be in touch with gabe through all of this process over the last couple of years since i got to know him on instagram and um just to to be able to to sort of watch the grace with which he has handled all of this um and then to learn the backstory in detail um it's it's just it's an amazing thing so um we hope that uh we we wish you all the best in the future and we certainly want to keep in touch with you here on cast game as you continue to move up um you are an inspiration to carters everywhere that it can happen just keep keep digging, keep going, and it can happen for you. Um, thanks for taking time to, to uh, talk with us on CartCast today. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Tom, for having me and just all your support in my racing career and with this whole movie thing. And, yeah, just thanks again for having me. I, I really enjoyed this interview today. 
And that's going to wrap things up for this edition of CartCast. We thank you all for joining us on this very special episode. Thanks to Scott Heath and the team from Roll Speed Performance for being uh, such a an avid supporter of this show and all of the things that we're doing with Steering Wheel Nation with regard to karting. And we invite you to visit steeringwheelnation.com for more great programming uh, for Gabe Tesh, I'm Tom Baker. Have a blessed day, everyone. We'll be back with another episode of CartCast again soon. Until then, so long.